0: So ladies and gentlemen, my friend Kevin Powers. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. It's good to be in the house. Praise God. Amen. It's good to be here. It's always good to be with your pastors. Amen. What an awesome church. And I can just say, I made the tail end of the men's meeting yesterday. And to just listen to all of the men uh, that were there, the testimonies. But to see the leadership of Life Changer church and the men that stepped up in ministry, that is a testament to a strong leader. Amen? And uh, we just commend you today and just thank God for what he's doing through this house and through this church. Amen. And so I'm going to jump right into where I want to go this morning. Uh, You can actually go to Exodus 33. I'm going to read to you out of the New Living Translation. And uh, I, I read this. During my devotions this year, um, and I'm reading through the Bible out of the New Living, but last summer the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and He said, I want you to go back and study the giants. Amen? Those that, that have come and gone, I was driving into Tulsa the other day, and as I drove in I just had a thought. I wasn't thinking along this line, but when I drove into the outside of, of uh, Broken Arrow coming in on the Muskogee Turnpike, uh, this thought rose up in my spirit. Giants used to live in this city. Giants used to live in this city. And of course, you know, y'all, y'all know more so than me being this close to Tulsa, men like Oral Roberts, T.L. Osborne, Kenneth Hagin, and we could name many more, but those men now have gone on to be with the Lord. And uh, I thought of an old George Jones song. George Jones sung a song, Who's Going to Fill Their Shoes? Who's Going to Stand That Tall? Amen? And I thought about that as I drove into the city. And the Lord had spoken to me last summer. He said, I want you to go back and read after the Giants. Go back and look at men like Smith Wigglesworth. Go back and look at men like John G. Lake. Go back and look at, of course, men like Oral Roberts, Kenneth Hagin. Take a look at what happened at the Azusa Revival. Uh, take a look at women like Maria Woodward-Edder and Catherine Kuhlman and Amy Simple McPherson. And, and ironically enough, you know, Wigglesworth was born in 1860 and he passed away in 1947, I believe. John G. Lake uh, passed away somewhere around 1935. He was about 65 years of age. But as I studied and looked at these men and women of God, I noticed something very significant about them. There were people that that understood the importance of being in the presence of God. Amen. The Lord spoke to me the first part of the year. He said it is imperative coming into 2020 and several prophetic things that we had spoken uh, in a revival out in Tucson, Arizona in January and in the latter part of 19, the Lord spoke and said, there would be things that would come in 2020 that would bring fear to the hearts of men. But the Lord said, do not focus on those things, but keep your eyes on me. Amen? And certainly we have seen a lot of things happen here in 2020. And uh, you don't even dare say we've seen, seen the big hit because you don't, just don't know. We're in a time where Revelation 12.12 says Satan comes down to the earth with great wrath because he knows his time is short. We're in a time of great spiritual warfare. We're in a time that really uh, it's, it's not just chaos in the land because of differing viewpoints, but it's actually the theater of the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light at battle. We are literally seeing the spiritual battle played out as we see people choose sides. We see people identifying with which side that they are uh, uh, have their allegiance to. Amen. And uh, it, it is a time that the enemy is bringing all of the tricks that he has used over, uh, you know, human history, and especially uh, well, all of human history from Adam till now, and he's reissuing them. And we're seeing them played out again. Some things that it appeared we had defeated. Some things that it looked like the human race maybe had got beyond, but yet the enemy's bringing it all back. Why? Because he understands that deception and division are the two greatest tools in his bag. And we're seeing that played out right now. And uh, the Lord told me, I want you to go back and look at these men and women. And he said, there's something you'll find out. It was decisions that they made that attracted the presence of God to them. Are you listening? In other words, we just dispel the theory already this morning that God has special ones. That God just looks out across the land and says, Wigglesworth will be a great one, and John G. Lake will be a great one, and Catherine Kuhlman will be a great one, but all of y'all will just be, eh, are you listening? (laughs) But when you read the Scripture, we all start off with the same measure of faith. And when we're baptized with the Holy Ghost, we all have the same Holy Ghost in us. Amen. Everybody say same. same. Paul said we having the same spirit of faith. Amen. Everybody say same. same. So it appears that we all start off with the same stuff. But there are people that make decisions in their life that seems to draw the presence of God to them. That seems to cause them to walk at another level or another dimension. It's kind of like when Saul was appointed king, the Bible said he stood head and shoulders above everybody else. And see, these giants were like that. They were head and shoulders above everybody else. And so many, so many great men and women of God that, that carried, uh, you know, what, what one of our presidents said, walk softly and carry a big stick. Amen? And these people carried big sticks in the realm of the Spirit. I, I'm just certain that when they awoke in the morning that the devil and the demons went on alert. Amen? And, and, and I, you know, when I see uh, Jesus in manifestation, he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed with, uh, of the devil, because what? God was, with him. God was with him. Amen? God was with him. And when you look at Wigglesworth, who raised... Uh, You know, I've heard varying reports, but somewhere between 21 and 24 people from the dead, documented. We're not talking about just folklore. We're talking doctors said they're dead. He raised them back to life. When you talk about John G. Lake, who uh, encountered what they thought was the bubonic plague, but it turned out actually through, and I even went back to John G. Lake's uh, uh, ministry organization to verify it, uh, was called the Blackwater Fever. And it literally was a, a malaria on steroids. If you got it, you died. If you touched any of the germs, you died. I mean, there was no, there was no maybe, there was no uh, possibly, it was you were dead. Amen? And John G. Lake buried the dead, handled the dead bodies and did it. And the scientists looked at him and said, wow, uh, you know, why, don't, why aren't you dying? You're not wearing protective gear like we are. Uh, you're, you're, but you 're handling these dead people. they were offering them a thousand dollars a day to bury the dead because you see, nobody wanted to touch them because it was just it was just just certain death. And John G. Lake said, uh, uh, they offered him protective Gary said, I don't need it. And they said, well, then, can you tell us why? And he said, well, you might want to do an experiment with me. And John G. Lake said, if you take the foam that comes out of their mouth when they die and put it under a microscope, you'll see living germs. And they did. He said, now, I'm going to put my hand under the microscope. You take those living germs and touch them to my hand and see what happens. And they did. And instantly the germs died. Amen? Instantly they died and they asked him, how could this be? John G. Lake said, I live by a higher law. I live by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, two, And that law makes me free from the law of sin and death, which opened the door to the law of sickness and disease and the door to poverty and lack, because that is the curse of the law, poverty, sickness, and death. And John G. Lake, of course, said that when a man operates in fear it opens the pores of his skin up and he absorbs disease. Do you see why the enemy wants you in fear? You know, I saw a meme concerning this virus that we've been dealing with and it said, I've never seen so many people afraid to die that they're willing to quit living. Wow. Amen. But see, why could John G. Lake operate that way? Was he a special one? No, I don't think John G. Lake was a special one. I think John G. Lake just began to press in with God. He made decisions that caused him to operate in a realm that's higher than. Amen? That's higher than. You know, it's like an airplane. It operates under the law of lift and thrust. That's why the law of gravity doesn't bring it down until it comes down. Amen? And when you operate in this law of the spirit of life in Christ, you walk in a different level. You walk in a different realm. And, you know, Romans 8, 1 qualifies it. It says there's no condemnation or judgment to those who, uh, that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the... So there's the qualifier to the law of the spirit of life in Christ effectively making you free from these things is you have to make a decision to walk in the Spirit and to move away from the flesh. And that's what I saw with all of these giants. They valued the presence of God more than they valued anything else. They valued the Word of God more than they did anything else. And the Lord spoke to me the first of the year and He said, 2020, we've got to be full of the Word, and 2020, we've got to be full of the Spirit. You know, how simple is it? You know, we're looking for a great revelation, aren't we? We're looking for something we've never heard before that's going to make us just soar up in there. And then when I begin to run the references, I begin to see that Jesus was exactly that. In the first two references of Him being inaugurated into ministry, first He was baptized in the Jordan River, and the Holy Spirit set on Him in the form of the dove. And then it says in Luke 4:1 that he was led by the Spirit. He was full of the Holy Ghost, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So Jesus, being type and shadow of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as the Spirit set on him, he was full of the Spirit, led into the wilderness. He comes down out of the wilderness, the Bible said in the 14th verse, in the power of the Spirit. But in between being full and manifesting power, he deals with the devil for three temptations on top of the mountain of temptation after 40 days of fasting. And each time he was tempted, he said what? Three words. It is written. It is written. It is written. And we see right there in just that little segment of Scripture... The whole, the whole foundation of the ministry of Jesus was that He was full of the Spirit and He was full of the Word. Everybody say, full of the Spirit. Full of the, full of the, Word. Full of the Word. And when I look at these men, Wigglesworth and John G. Lake, and I see them, I see them that they are people that are, are hungry, amen, to be in the presence of God. And I appreciated the songs that were sung this morning, Amen, as it talked about the presence of God and the significance of being in the presence of God and and where we are right now in 2020. And and I want to just basically read you a scripture and I want to tell you a story. And I want to take you to a point where you and I must be right now. You know, Moses in Exodus 33, we know... All of that which had transpired in his life, we won't even try to touch base on all of that. They've come out of Egypt on the heels of those ten plagues. They're out in the wilderness now. And as they're there, of course, the 18th verse is the verse that I, I want to, uh, you know, kind of reference the statement that he makes in the 16th. But Moses is saying, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Everybody say, show me your glory, Lord. So the glory of God is really three things. It's his manifested presence, his manifested power, and his manifested goodness. Moses, when when you get into the glory, the Bible said in Philippians 4.19, he shall supply all of my need. We often just stop right there. He's the need supplier. But notice what it says, the qualifier says, he supplies all of our need according to his riches in glory. Amen? So what is his glory? First, it's his manifested presence. His manifested power, because when He shows up, He will flex. When He shows up, He will demonstrate. And when He demonstrates, He'll release His goodness. Amen. Jesus went about what? Doing good. How could He go about doing good? He had to operate in the glory and the presence of God. It's just that simple. Amen. So God supplies all of our need according to His riches where? In glory. So it seems that possibly... There is something maybe that we've overlooked, not that we don't know, because I've discovered many times it's not what folks, many times, not always, many times it's not what folks, what folks don't know, but it's what they know that they're not doing. Amen? I think that's why Peter said, I'm going to stir up your pure minds of remembrance. Why? Because there's things you should be doing that you're not. And I'm going to tell you the temptation is, is that the further you walk with the Lord, the less that you many times feel like, if you're not careful, you feel like, I don't need to do that like I did when I first started. Kind of like a, well, a, you know, a young lady said to us once, now that I've been saved a while, I just don't need to come to church that much. You see how the deception comes in. we have so elevated to a place that we don't need fundamental things that we should continue in. So Moses said, show me your glory. But I want you to start here in verse 14. And notice what he said. This is the New Living Translation. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Now notice verse 16. Boy, this got me fired up. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me? On me and on your people if you don't go with us. For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. don't know if that's doing anything for you or not. Let me read it again. Let's see if it clicks this time. Amen? Because what I got is, in my spirit, was already know that. Listen. For your presence among us sets you apart. Uh, Set your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. And I think as we walk through this, I don't even like to say pandemic, but as we walk through this virus season, it seems to me that in many instances the church hasn't walked through this virus season any different than the world. It seems like the church has been just as terrified as the world. I'm not saying it isn't real. I'm not saying that it isn't destructive. I'm just saying John G. Lake said anytime time you fear something, it opens your pores up. Yeah. Anytime you show respect, well, that's cancer. Oh, you're already giving respect to something that you should never give respect to. Yeah. Amen? Amen? I'm not saying that we're stupid and we're ignorant. It's kind of like if you got four foot of snow outside, you don't put your bathing suit on and go outside barefoot. That's just ignorance. Right? So I'm not saying be stupid. I'm not saying, you know, because sometimes folk think that faith, many times they're operating in foolishness. I'm not telling you to be foolish or presumptive. I'm just telling you that Moses is saying the thing that causes us to live up here when everybody else is living here is your presence. Everybody says presence. It's his presence that elevates us. It's his presence that causes us to stand apart. The Apostle Paul made it clear in, in 1 Corinthians 2 and in the first part of 3. He said he made references to three types of man. Man is in three three places in their, in their walk here on planet earth. One, you are a natural man that's not been born again. You are separated in an alien from the covenants of and the promises of God. That's the natural unsaved man. Can't understand the things of the Spirit. They're ignorant to him, and they're foolish to him. But then Paul talks about the fact that I wanted to talk to y'all as spiritual, but I couldn't. I had to talk to you because you're carnal. So we know that the believer then is going to be in either one or two forms. One, he is going to be thoroughly saved, born again and on his way to heaven, but he's just full of flesh. In other words, Paul said you're walking as mere men. In other words, you're saved, but you're, you're, just, you're, you're living your life just like the unsaved folks that are strangers from the covenant of God. But then there's the third type, which is the spiritual man. That's the man that's walking with God. That's the man that's tapping into Romans 8.2. Amen? That's the man that's walking after the Spirit and not after the flesh. That's the man that's learning to overcome. That's the man that's full of the Word and full of the Spirit. Amen? That's the man in the midst of all of these things. You know, it's kind of like Kenneth Hagin said during the time of one of the flus that came during the 50s, he was out in Los Angeles preaching. And he said they had somewhere around seven 800 at night in the meeting, large church, and around 200 in the, day morning, in the morning services. And he said this thing hit... And it so hit that everything was shut down, not because like we've seen shut down, but everybody was sick. Schools, entire schools, Los Angeles County, almost the whole county was shut down because people were just infected with this flu. And it was very bad, bad flu. And uh, Brother Hagan said they came that morning to service and he said there was actually uh, six preachers and two brave laymen. Amen? There was eight where they'd been having 800. And he said, after the service, all the brothers were standing around—six of them. All these men, great men of faith and power, and they're all talking. And and, and uh, Brother Hagen standing there, pretty typically, just listening. And they're all talking about, wow, this flu's horrible. It's bad. Oh, my, my, my. You know, boy, you know, and they're talking stories of who, who they knew that had got the flu and all of these things. And, and uh, you know, and some of them were stressing their, you know, verbalizing their concern that they, you know, I don't, I don't want to get this. This is bad stuff. And Brother Hagin's not commenting. And one of them finally looked at him and said, well, Brother Hagin, aren't you, aren't you afraid you're going to get this flu? You're not saying anything. Aren't you afraid you're going to get it? And he said, nope. He said, nope. And i just go ahead and tell you I'll never have it. And one of the brothers got up and he's there and whispered and said, Are you, you, you better watch out. The devil's going to hear you. He said, he's the very dude that I want to hear me. Amen. He said, I'm telling you I'm not going to get it. Amen. I'm not going to come down with it. Hallelujah. You see, there's just something about the man that lives in the presence of God that, that, that differentiates him from everybody else. That's what Moses is saying. Everybody else operates on another standard. But the man that's walking with God has stepped over into that place of Romans 8 two, where now he's going to see the presence, the power, and the goodness of God. And so I begin to study on the glory. And I begin to look as I begin to see this. And I begin to see the glory. And what I begin to discover is that that the glory of God really... Uh, We see it all through the Old Testament pictures of the glory. We see it in the New Testament. Jesus is transfigured on the mountain and they see his clothes glistening as white as snow. Kind of like, you know, when you see the sun bouncing off the snow and you can't even hardly look. That's the manifestation of the glory of God. It's that same glory that when they dedicated Solomon's temple, all the priests went to the ground. They could not stand to minister by reason of the glory and, everybody went to the floor. Amen. And literally when the glory of God comes in, you step into another level, another realm. And Moses is understanding that. He's understanding the significance of why you need to be in the glory. And then as I begin to study this, I found William Seymour back in 1906 to 09, 10 during the Azusa Revival. That Seymour, very powerful man of God, very powerful man of God. A lot of stuff I'd like to say about that, but I want to focus on this one thing. They had a common phenomenon at the zoos. they called the Shekinah glory. If you've studied that revival, if you've looked at it, if you've heard eyewitness testimonies, it was not uncommon for the glory of God to roll into their sanctuary in the form of a cloud. And literally they said the cloud would be so thick you could not see the person sitting right next to you. You could put your hand right in front of your face and you couldn't see your hand. The cloud was that thick. Was that thick. Amen. And, and I mean when that cloud rolled in, Seymour said that's when the most miraculous things happened. See, there's a difference between the anointing and the glory. The anointing is to someone and through someone to someone. Or we just might make it simpler. The anointing is through someone to someone. But when the glory comes in, God said, I don't need flesh. I'll just do it because I'm God. Everybody say he'll do it because he's God. And Seymour said this with a powerful anointing on him and all of the others that came to be ministered to but stayed on to minister. They had incredible miracles. You know if you've studied it. Arms grew out, legs grew out, the lame walked, people got brand new sets of teeth. One man came in with an open wound in his intestines sticking out. And they prayed and, and the man started shouting and dancing and he lifted his shirt back up and the wound was sealed, his intestines back in and he was miraculously healed. A man that had his leg cut off right up above the knee had a leg grow out right in front of him. These were common manifestations at his. Amen. And for four years or so, this was the manifestation that they saw that they said throughout. Uh, you know, our record from Genesis to where we are, there wasn't another time except for when Jesus walked the earth, uh, of course being God in the flesh, or when you look at the Ark of the Covenant where the glory of God was manifested in one place like it was there. People came from all over the world to be in those Azusa meetings. Amen? And it wasn't because of the charisma of the preacher or the teaching of the ministry. See, a lot of it today is built off the charisma of a man and and the, the eloquence of his speech but you see that's not what this world needs right now they don't need more more, more star preachers they don't need more people to stand in awe of, of the next great message that's being preached by someone what they need is to encounter the glory of God the only thing that's going to convince the unsaved that he is who he says he is is for the manifestation of God's presence to come rushing into the building as when you have the manifestation of God's presence rushing in the building then people understand this see that's what the Bible said Paul said when I came to you I didn't come with excellency of speech I didn't want to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified for my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in the demonstration of the spirit and power why so your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God when it's all said and done I don't want you talking about how awesome I am I want you to talk about how awesome he is amen and see, that's, that's where the presence of God comes in. Wigglesworth, we took communion. I discovered this. Wigglesworth took communion every day of his life. And every day of his life when Wigglesworth took communion, this is what he would say. This was from the words of his granddaughter. Wigglesworth would say, today as I receive communion, you might add this into your communion. I have started. Wigglesworth would say, I exchange my life for your life. Amen? Amen. When he took communion, he made that verbal confession that I am surrendering my weakness, I'm surrendering my limitations, I'm surrendering my inability so that as I receive this communion, I receive God's opportunity. I receive his unlimited potential. Amen. And when Wigglesworth went out, he didn't go out glory to God like a lot of us do today. He went out praise God expecting what he spoke to happen. Amen. Seeing the miraculous and the manifestation of the glory insomuch that he went into a funeral home, you know the story and drug a man out of his casket and stood him against the wall and commanded him to come back to life and on the third time he stood him against the wall because the man slid down the first two, He he breathed and opened his eyes, glory to God see that's a man right there that understands I've exchanged my life for his life and I expect to walk just like Jesus did see it takes the glory now, now, now uh, Seymour said this which was interesting the glory of God is not a ram- random phenomenon the glory of God is not a random phenomenon but actually the spirit of God responds to us we told you an illustration in ministry back when we've been with you about a pastor who was praying for rain to fall We know the Holy Spirit falls like rain. That that is demonstrated through the rain scriptures in Joel and Hosea, Zechariah, and in the book of James. He'll come unto us as the rain, the former and latter rain. So we understand the rain comes down. That's the manifestation of God as His presence begins to fill a place. And this brother was praying for the rain because there was people facing doctors couldn't help him. They were facing incredible odds that only it was going to be God that could bring them through. And he said, Lord, we need your anointing. Let the rain fall. And three times he hears, rain don't fall. And he's like, that is just ridiculous. Everybody knows the clouds get full of rain and the rain falls. And the third time he said it was just like a man standing behind him. It was so authoritative. And he heard the voice say, rain don't fall. So he took his Bible and shut it, went to his office and Googled rain. Go home and Google rain. This is what you'll find out that when the atmosphere's right and the clouds fill with water and the drops are heavy enough to fall, they don't just fall because they're heavy. They fall because the law of gravity pulls them down. Oh, come on now. That's right. That's right. The glory of God does not just fall randomly and sovereignly, it falls because you and I are the gravity here that puts a demand on the presence of God and we pull that anointing down. Are you hearing me? Wigglesworth was at a meeting and the custom of these folks at the meeting, he was to find out, was they didn't start on time. Straight up, somebody take the mic and open the service, they sat there. Ten minutes into setting there or so, Wigglesworth asked the man that invited him, when are we going to start the meeting? I thought we were supposed to start ten minutes ago. And the man said, well, we don't just start the service, Brother Wigglesworth. We sit here and wait. We wait on the Lord till he moves on one of us. And whoever he moves on, then that man or, or so goes to the pulpit and opens the meeting. And Wigglesworth said, got right up out of his chair, went to the pulpit, and just took off. Praise God. I mean, preached, prophesied, cast devils out, healed the sick, and after the service, the man said, "Whoa, wasn't that beautiful the way God chose you, our guest, to move on and to start at Wigglesworth? said, He didn't move on me, brother. He said, I learned a long time ago, if God's not moving, you move God. What's he talking about? He's talking about gravity. The woman with the issue of blood. She said, I don't need him to look at me. I don't need him to touch me. I don't need him to do some big gesture. I'm just going to come up behind him because Malachi said there's healing in his wings. I'm going to come behind him, grab the hem of his garment, get my healing and be on my way. And Jesus is walking and everybody's touching him. And Jesus stops and says, who touched me? They said, everybody's touching you. He said, no, no, no. This touch was different because the Bible said he felt virtue go out of him. Somebody touched him and pulled the... anointing out of him and he turned around and looked and said it's you and she confessed to him and Jesus said your faith has made you whole she used the gravity glory to God in the realm of the spirit to pull the goodness the power and that virtue out of him so I'm seeing that these giants understood how to do that Seymour said this Seymour said, of all the great miracles that happen, he said, the greatest manifestation of God's glory happens, he said, when the saints. Everybody say, when the saints. saints. He said, when the saints would begin to sing in other tongues. When the saints would begin to sing in the spirit. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I make that statement? Singing in the spirit. He said the Shekinah glory seemed to always roll in. The cloud would fill the house. When they did what? They would begin to sing in the Spirit. Everybody stay in the Spirit. Everybody stay in the Spirit. I'm not a worship leader, Pastor Ted. I'm not a singer. If I work real hard, I can stay on tune. But I don't know. It's kind of like my father-in-law told a woman once who come and said, I- I'm called to sing. He said, honey, we're not called to listen. <laughs> Tell the truth, shame the devil. Amen? I'm not going to make y'all suffer through that just because. But this one thing I knew and found out early on that the greatest demonstrations of God in the church that I was born again in happened. We'd be singing our courses. We still sung hymns at that time. I got saved in 81. They blended both. But I noticed that when they stopped singing the hymn or the song and begin to and then you got 20 and then you got 30 and then you got 50 and then you got 200 then you got 500. Our church ran about 800. Amen. And it just rolled like waves. Something happened. All oh, the manifestation of God would begin to take place. Words of knowledge would begin to flow. Healings would begin to happen. Miracles would take place. And just as a young believer, I would be like, let's just get to the Shandala Bakara Masata. All of these other songs are great, but I think maybe we focus too much on singing everything perfect that we never ever step over to the Shalomando Rosso And we never give any moment for Yelemando Rosso And We're the saints now. Out of their spirit they're singing, you see. There's a difference between singing from your head and singing from your spirit. And maybe, Pastor Ted, we don't, we don't venture far enough. Billy Brim's Graham, grandma who got filled with the Holy Ghost underneath the ministry of Charles Parham from Topeka, Kansas. She came in after she'd got saved. And Billy Brim's parents, I can't remember if they were going to a Baptist or a Methodist church. But she stood there when she came in from church because they'd show up at her house and she said they were all in there. They were going to have family dinner. And Grandma would always come in late because she's Pentecostal. Their services went longer. Amen? (laughs) Grandma come in, stood there and listened to them. Then she just started laughing. Ha, 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 ha. What are you laughing at, Mama? She said, y'all, 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 y'all are all right for as far as to go. You just don't go far enough. Amen? And said she started speaking in tongues and just danced her way right out of the room into the other room to change clothes, you know, to get ready to help with the meal. Sometimes I think, Pastor, we just don't go far enough. We just don't go far enough. How many of you understand that? We just don't go far enough. See, at some point you've got to come out of the flesh and over into the Spirit. You've got to come out of the flesh and over into the Spirit is when you get over in the Spirit, glory to God, then the Bible said He inhabits. He don't inhabit just the beauty of our songs. And you can, pastor can vouch for this. Many of you can too. I've been in places where, and the worship was wonderful this morning. Please understand what I'm saying. I've been in places where, where I'm telling you the singers could have been singing in Nashville or, or you know, all of the other venues. The musicians were incredible. And I mean everything was perfect. I mean every T crossed and every I dotted. And I've went into other places where the folks singing on the stage, bless their darling hearts, I don't think they could have carried a tune if they had a bucket. Amen? With a handle on it. But the glory of God came in. Maybe we focus too much on our presentation instead of on the presence. (laughs) Limbre babasta caneneste kende lemeneche gundela basa kete meneneche gundala bodo so bundela gende de bagiste king nanando soluba babaya ye kende lemenaso so lombroso kunde nemeneste gende lemenasa for I will show up where I am made welcome and where I have a place made for me says the Lord will I manifest in my full measure by my power and my glory. For many have said, Oh, there is a drought in the land, and where is the Lord? But I'm right where I've always been, says God. But my people have lost their way, and they have not known how to return even into that holy place. But I am raising up a new generation, says the Lord. And I have placed it within their hearts. Their minds don't understand and they don't know the hows, but they know the whys. And they know that they must return to the glory. And with these, says God, am I raising up those who will find their way into my presence. For lo, says God, I've desired to manifest my presence, my power, and my goodness. I've desired for this generation to see my glory. And I want to announce even in this house today... That I am visiting planet earth again. But not just like I did in days gone by. But I have saved my best manifestation and demonstration for this season says the Lord. And I will have a people that knows how to bring the presence of God into full manifestation. And they will see the glory of God unlike any church generation before for I have saved my best for last and I will teach my people how to cross through the veil of the flesh into the veil of the spirit so that it will be seared in their spirit says God that they'll never lose their way again and they will teach those that are coming in for this is the hour of great great harvest says the Lord and they will teach the young ones as they come in and it will be burned into their DNA immediately that they are after the presence of God and after the manifestation of his glory and they will teach them how to enter in and in this hour nothing will be impossible to you for you'll see says the Lord with strong arm and with great might shall I flex through my church in this hour cancers will fall down like whipped up says the Lord. Sickness and disease will be exercised out of the bodies of men and women as my church arises and speaks the command. You'll see says the Lord strongholds of demons that have held people in bondage broken off of them for my church shall arise. Did I not say I'm coming after a church without spot blemish or wrinkle. I'm coming after a glorious church and my church cannot be glorious except they spend time in my glory so hear the word of the Lord find your way back says God seek and you'll find wait in my presence and you'll see the manifestation of my power like you never thought it would be for this is the hour of my goodness upon planet earth when the devil comes in like a flood I raise up a standard greater than that which he has done or trying to do and now's the season libre desse, say october November and December you will see the glory of God begin to manifest you will see the glory of the lord begin to come as my people begin to cooperate with me on a level that they've not in a long time says the Lord so be of good courage do not fear what you see around you to the right hand or the left for I will hold my people safe even as I did the children of Israel in the land of Goshen you will see says the Lord that I will care for prepare and make the way for my people and they shall be a light as the world looks at them and says why does not these things affect you because the church will say it's the law of the spirit of life in Christ that's made me free and we are abiding in God's glory and it's in that glory says the Lord where you must come where you must hide where you must abide for there says the Lord is every need supplied and there you are protected from every strategy of the enemy that will come. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Shula Mama Rasateya. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, so Seymour said, when they worshiped, in other tongues, the glory came in. In nineteen sixty, around sixty-one, my father-in-law was in a car wreck coming from Bible school in Houston, Texas. He fell asleep at the wheel as he had driven all night long, he had worked all day, got in the car to drive, ate probably nine hours maybe, there back to South Arkansas where you have the tall pine trees. And he fell asleep and he went off the road. It's around 3, 4 in the morning, sailed through the air about 20 feet and his vehicle struck a pine tree and was hanging like this, nose down. And he said he heard the crash of glass and metal. He heard it. And he said he felt himself drifting up. And he said he began to drift up. He began to drift up. He began to drift up. And he said as he began to ascend higher, he begins to hear voices. He said it sounded like millions of voices. And they were just rolling like waves. And it was like, hallelujah, hallelujah, glory to God, glory to God, hallelujah, hallelujah. And he said it just rolled, just rolled like that, just rolled like that. And he said it was the most beautiful worship. He'd been saved now for two, three years, but he said he'd never experienced any worship like that here on earth. And he said, oh my, he he was just longing to keep going higher. But then he said he felt himself drifting down. And he came to in the floorboard of the car. And and he literally the broken glass scalped him. His his scalp was laying on his back, attached just by skin, and he grabbed it and pulled it forward and tied his shirt around his head and his cheek was lacerated and, and his flesh was hanging by skin, touching his chest. And he grabbed a handkerchief and pushed his cheek up and held it. And he crawled out of the broken glass of the windshield and got on the ground and started walking. And he said he's walking. He thought he was walking to the road, dark out there. If you ever been out in the country, uh, you know, no lights, it's dark. And he's walking and he said blood's just just splashing out of his shoes as he walked. And he fell to his knees because he said he felt like he was getting ready to pass out. And he said, all I could do was just say the name. Amen. Jesus. And he hollered it about three times and he said it was like warm oil hit him on top of the head. And strength came back in and he stood up on his feet. And he said he heard the Holy Spirit say to him, turn around, you're walking the wrong way. And he turned around and began to walk, and he made it to the road. And when he got to the road, a car came by and saw him covered in blood and drove and sped past him, didn't stop. Second car did the same thing, and the third car stopped, picked him up, put him in the vehicle. And, and, and my father-in-law said to him, you're the good Samaritan. And he passed out. He woke up in the hospital and had I don't know how many hundred stitches in his face and head. If you ever seen the Hank Williams Jr. story where he had that fall... And his head was bandaged. He said, he, 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 he identified with that as he saw that show. And so he made it back to Bible school, and his face was paralyzed on one side. And as he is sitting there, one of the students leading the chapel service said, "God has spoke to one of you to do something, and we can't move forward till you obey God." And the Lord told him, "My father-in-law, in his spirit, he said, "If you'll get up and thank me for sparing your life, I'll restore movement to your face, his eye." was drooping like this and his mouth was drooped it severed the nerves on that side of his face and he said lord i don't think i can say that because i look like i look like a, a freak nobody's going to want me no woman will want to marry me and he just kind of blew that off and just sat there and this young man said we're not going till somebody obeys god and so he stood up and said i want to thank god for sparing my life and he said warm oil Felt like hit him on top of the head and immediately his eye returned and the movement in his face gloriously healed. You could still see the scar and if you look through his scalp, you can see the scarring on top of his uh, head. But I tell that long story to tell you that in 1970, he was invited to Phoenix, Arizona to a charismatic group. He was from an older line denominational Pentecostal group. And he was invited into that meeting. And when they were there, they began to worship. They began to worship after they had sang the courses. You know, old line Pentecostals, Hallelujah, glory to God. But they they didn't understand. They didn't understand what we've been talking about. But he said when the charismatics got to the end of the song, they began to, Hallelujah, hallelujah, glory, glory. And he said, that's it. That's what I heard. That's what I heard in heaven when I was ascending up. He said, I heard that worship. And during the charismatic renewal, God released that worship to planet earth. Amen. And you see it, had happened back because there's nothing new under the sun. When Rodney Hart Brown showed up preaching and people laughed, I had old timers that were in their 80s and 90s and said, this laughter stuff ain't new. We did that way back there in the 30s. Amen. Through this worship. God brings in the manifestation of His glory. And so everywhere we go, the Lord's beginning to speak to me about admonishing people. In your prayer time, enter in through the songs. The songs we sing are good. They help us transition. But don't stop at the end of that song. Sing a new song. Amen. I just tell people, just just put words. You know, you can say hallelujah. Just put a song to it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yele mama randana maso toya. Amen. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're welcome to join in with me. Lebre mandana maso di andana masa taya. Yele mandoroso. Yele mandana masete. Yele mandana maso riamando roboso. Yele mandapra manana mase. Yele mandi andando robosia yandana masata. Yemeni yanda, Yandiya yandoria ba ba ya yanda nana namasata. Le nene mesi masoto. Yene mandana anama sia yando ya yander beso. Libre Mandana nana masia yene menese. lebre nene si kia yandana masa taya, yondo dia mahaya, yana nama toya, yana manana nana makundia nando roboso. Lebrenene Menesteya, bedene nene menesteya, l'ombriamana maso tolobo Dorobo sia. <laughs> Woo. So what I saw Pastor TED was like a wind that came in through those doors and swept this congregation. God says, I'm releasing a new breeze into this house. God actually said, it is a second wind. It is a second wind. And this second wind is going to bring you to places that the first wind never could. For the foundation's been laid, and the foundation is sure, and the foundation is strong. Now, says the Lord, will I send a second wind into this house? And I'm going to send it in, says God, and on this wind and on this wave will be a healing anointing there will be an anointing in the area of healing like this church has never seen. For the history of this church has been that miracles have happened in this place and through this people. But God said, this will be on a level that you've never seen. It's actually instead of one, two, or three in a given meeting, it's going to be masses that are going to be healed by the glory of this second wind that is flowing through this place. And as that wind blows, God said, I'm restoring. I'm restoring the health of those that are a part of this house. Those that have battled a long time with illness that seemingly would not yield or go, I'm going to restore people's bodies. I'm going to cause them to function as they were and the testimony of Joshua and Caleb shall even so be that those that are even 85 will be as strong as they were when they were 40, says the Lord. Both to go out and to come in and to war and to make war. This will be the hour, says God, that that healing flow shall flow into this house and I will show you things about your identity and why I planted you in Claremore that you have not even actually seen known to this time for I'm going to cause revelation to be released through this second wind and all the pieces of the puzzle that have not clicked In just right are going to come into place. For up out of this body, just as the seven were chosen from among those to be the first deacons in the church, up out of this body shall arise men and women, men and women that will take their place, men and women that will be skilled, like the warriors with David that could fight with their right hand and their left. (laughs) And they shall be mighty men and women of God that shall raise up, says the Lord, and shall begin to function as I have created them to taking their place taking their place And no man will break rank, says the Lord. For I will cause a unity to be into this house unlike anything that you have ever experienced before. For I've said to you even today, with this second wind, lift up your eyes and look out across the land, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. Take a look, says the Lord, for I will begin to cause you to see that which I've destined that belongs unto thee. For there is a heart, harvest that is going to come people will not walk but they will run when they hear of the manifestation of my goodness in this place they'll be drawn from all over the place and they'll come to this house to eat the bread of the word that's fresh you see and they'll come to drink of the waters the living waters that flow from me and they'll be set free they'll be healed and victory shall go forth and from this house shall go a sound that shall go across the land that the Lord is in that place the Lord is in that place the Lord is in that place and they shall come to be made free that second wind oh it comes on the waves of the glory of the Lord for I'm teaching this church what they need to know so that in my glory they will know how to flow And they'll not quench the Spirit. No, they won't, you see. They won't grieve the Spirit, but they will honor me. For on this place and on this property it'll be holy ground set aside for special manifestations of the Lord that are coming unto thee. So hear the word of the Lord and know what the Spirit of God says. I am putting things together that the flesh could never ordain could never organize, you see, this is by the work of the Lord that these things will come unto thee. So just begin to prepare the way. Begin to seek after me night and day. And as you seek me, you'll find, as you knock, the door will open to you. And as you begin to ask, you will receive, for the word of the Lord is truth. And the second wind comes unto thee. Hallelujah. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, mighty God. Amen. God's good. Amen. Everybody say mercy. mercy. Did you ever play that game mercy? You'd lock hands up, you know, and twist. Try to get the other guy to holler, mercy. Mercy. I had a little cousin that when you turned him loose, he'd go, not mercy. Amen? (laughs) Sometimes, glory to God, the answer is mercy. Amen? The answer is mercy. God has proven himself. He's given mercy. We need to pray for our nation for mercy. There's actions that have been carried on. And although you and I didn't actually... Fulfill those actions such as all the babies that have been aborted. But yet the sin of that comes against our nation. We must cry out for mercy. Amen. And that God would reverse that. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. I thank you as I stand here today, Father. And I'm just honored. I'm honored to be used of you. Father God, thank you. I stand here as an example. I stand here... as as inspiration Lord to others that if God can use me He can use anybody but Father I look unto those who've come before me as I stand here Father God in the pulpit of this pastor Pastor Ted and his, his his helpmate Father Miss Jenny I stand in awe of the work that you've done through them